Welcome back. This is part two of our conversation with Brandon Stover. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, definitely go back and check that out. Get some more context, learn more about who he is. And, you know, this conversation reminds me of an Another one, episode 34 with Jamil Smith, uh, just a thoughtful, intentional individual who's starting his own business and focus, changing away from the story that he, he pursued based on what he was told. And it's just worth it. Episode 34, if you, if you want to check that out after you finish part two. And hey, if you like it, leave us a comment, leave us a review, share it, share it, share it. But uh, on to part two. On my own journey to look for a purpose, I realized that it's not just about me. You know, I live in this world, I live in this society, and if I can combine, you know, what I have a passion for or something that I find important with an actual need that's happening in the world, A, that lifts me up, lifts those other people up, and oftentimes you get rewarded for that if we look at those because, you know, money and those other things, they're still motivators, we still need them. Well, thank you for sharing all of that as well. And I, I'll add context. I'm curious to know what role fear plays in your decisions, your intentionality, the all of these things that you've you've taken. And I see Rodney's head shake, so we can say it's a twin brain moment. I guess fear comes up sort of in in different ways, in different thoughts. You know, one is originally was it is this the right thing because i did try a dozen different other things as an entrepreneur does like oh maybe maybe it's this thing and you know doing like little e-commerce websites doing marketing and like sales funnel builds for people do freelancing doing design trying to use some of the skills that i had spent uh, quite a bit of money on an education for and finding that yeah those weren't the right things and so i was like okay well now there's fear about was it a good idea to, you know, quit? Was it, am I going to actually succeed at any of this? That has subsided the more that I found what purpose I wanted to have in focusing on this mission of education because I believe in it so much. And that kind of subsides. But now it's more of getting the idea out there. Yeah, because it is part of like, tied so much to my identity, the story that I have told myself about what's gone on. So not only am I putting this idea out there, which actually isn't so hard for me, but it's putting that identity piece out there as well. So like in your story, there's a, there's this interesting trail and I may be missing some points. So certainly correct me if I'm wrong. Many of us kind of fall into one of two buckets when it comes to fear. It's it's fear of not having or failing or breaking or making the wrong decision. So we stay that safe course, right? Which I can say was a big contributor to me not taking risks early. It's, well, I know this will work, right? Even though I, I really don't know it's going to work, and yet you put that intentionality because the core of who you are will embrace it and go. And, you know, all of a sudden you're just afraid to, to not achieve, pay off your loans and do all of those things. But then there's that other side. And I think about this from like a health and fitness standpoint. My one half of my family is extremely heavy, right? 
And I have watched that over my lifetime and it has been a pure motivator for me to exercise. Now I'm not always exercising, but it's always in the back of my mind that I will not be that when I'm 60, 70, 80. And I, and I hear that in your story. And I find that to be such an interesting motivator in so many people that do pursue their passion or the thing that they love because it's like, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to, per, I, it's like hitting rock bottom is such a trigger to, for people to, to move forward. It's because I, I never want to be there again. And I hear that in your story with, with your mom and, and wonder how much does that fear of, of being in that space drive you to not make that, like it just overrides any fear of like making the wrong decision. Yeah, I would definitely say that starting off, that was a huge driver, that fear of ending up in that place or going back to that, that way of life. The more that I get into this, the other side of it, that the more positive aspect of driving, of making an impact, helping other people change their lives. And I don't mean that as a cliche thing. I mean, every step that I take, you know, as you do a startup or you, as you're an entrepreneur, you often do an MVP or a small batch of something. You work with just a few people. I've started doing that with a few of the, the educational things that I've done in the past, but also running a small beta right now in the startup that I'll launch. And seeing the impact that this actually makes in another person's life is amazing. That's such a great feeling. And to be able to move towards that more now than the running away of going you know, from that place uh, is wonderful. I don't, I try and not label either one as better than the other and try and use them both as energy. You know, there's days that you get up and it's like, you know what, maybe a little of the negative fear energy is going to help and push me today. Other days it's like, yeah, let's look at the light. Let's see where we're going. More positive aspects. So I try and use both of them. I absolutely love that. I'm, I'm curious in the educate, like as you build out this platform, people see this, right? Like, and I'm thinking about this from my own perspective. If I had found it 20 years ago, like, yes, this sounds great. But how do you help people see the light through this thing that they might not actually see a path forward because it goes against their traditional understanding of what will work? and thus stemming that fear so this becomes beneficial for them. Yeah. One of the, the big problems with education that I've seen going through it myself is like you get there and you have to pick a degree and you pick that degree out of a hundred different things. Maybe your parents told you that was a good job to get. Maybe you're like, oh, this will make me the most money. That's the, the best school at this college at the current time. I'm going to meet a bunch of cute girls here. I'm going to, it's going to be great for partying. All this stuff that really isn't going to help you as you move down later through life. And so one of the things that I'm starting with is going through a discovery, a coaching um, with those people so that we can start to unravel some of those layers that aren't necessarily you and get to those real things that you care about, some of the passions that you have, some of the skills that you are really good at. And then on my own 
journey to look for purpose. I realized that it's not just about me. You know, I live in this world, I live in this society. And if I can combine, you know, what I have a passion for or something that I find important with an actual need that's happening in the world, A, that lifts me up, lifts those other people up. And oftentimes you get rewarded for that if we look at those because, you know, money and those other things, they're still motivators. We still need them. Yeah. Then you have a business, right? Like you, if you have a... Yeah, exactly. So helping these people to identify, okay, what are the things that you actually care about? Not what everybody else has told you you should care about. And then how do we combine that with stuff that the world actually needs? And I think that's a good formula for success. Some would say it is the formula. Can you tell us a little bit more? Like I, I'm still curious where you are with this project. And you, you kind of gave us a little bit about how you're seeing some success in, the, in beta, not beta. You say beta or alpha? Beta? Well, well, it's technically an alpha, yes. I just use beta alpha. more often. Most people don't know what an alpha is. So. It's more colloquial. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's more commonly understood. We're in beta, yeah. bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But you're seeing some success. So I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about it. And then as you're talking about it, like how that, where where you pull the meaning out of it for your life and how it, how purpose fits in there for you. Like, because I think this is a really, you seem to have, you have a very clear understanding of it for yourself. And I think hearing somebody talk about it could be helpful. I mean, for me, frankly, but for others as well. Yeah. Um, so right now, yeah, currently running the alpha and um, it originally started with three students and uh, was doing a three month basically program with it just as a test run to see how do some of these things that I've been studying in the science of learning and education work. And then could we actually get the outcomes that we set forward between me and the student? You know, what were their goals coming in? Can we reach those towards the end going through this sort of process? And so we started with three students and we're down to one. Um, just things happened. Health went bad on one of the students and um, one of them was not able to go through the full program, which is an interesting story of like, is that enough uh, people to figure this out? Is it enough for me to validate it, um, to go forward with a full solution of this? But I've been working with him. He is a freelance UX designer, and he's building a community around designers that focus on not just the design principles, but also the mental health side of designers. And so that kind of brings in, you know, what he's very passionate and focused on his skill sets, but also a change that he wants to make in the world, bringing better mental health to these people because he had, you know, his own journey of mental health working as a designer. And so uh, I've been working with him and basically the way it works is we figure out that goal, what it is that you want to, to do to study and then build the curriculum from that. So figuring out what skills that he already has that would help to reach that mission and which ones does he not have. And from the ones that he doesn't have, then I go out, I go find resources learning from those because I believe some of the best education has already been put out on the internet. It is a wide place, whether it's through actual professors or whether through people that have done freelance courses or even YouTube or a podcast, we can find these things. So going, finding those resources for him, having him learn the, them, 
and then helping him to apply those learnings and those skills. And then we evaluate, okay, you set out at the beginning to build this community um, to help change, you know, a designer's mental health. Are you actually reaching that solution? If you're not, okay, then readjust. Let's find those some skills to help you to do that. If you are, well, isn't that great that we found the resources to do that? We didn't have to go to college, go through a four-year degree for you to start figuring out, are you actually solving that problem yet? Wow. Now, what is two planes? I'm going to go one first. It's like just-in-time education. Yeah. And, you know, one more element of that is this isn't about the amount of time of button seat hours, but more of, did you actually learn this? Did you master this skill, this ability, and this knowledge? So that's what we're, we're testing for, if, you know, we're testing anything. In the full version of this, there isn't a time limit that just takes them as long as it does to learn those skills. And then they're submitting portfolio projects, they're working on real solutions, and that's how they're evaluated, whether they're actually gaining this knowledge or not. Wouldn't that be, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. That's, yes, time on task helps with anything. However, the time that I need versus the time that you need versus the time that Keith needs is going to vary for all kinds of different reasons. Yet the system that we currently have says we all need the same amount of time. And it does attempt to evaluate, but you know, so that's, that's pretty cool. There's this, um, I think this is such a fascinating concept and I I'm curious to get an idea of how you envision working through people and what the future looks like. So take an example, someone comes in like yourself or myself who has a traditional mindset, like going down the traditional path isn't just about earning money. It's also gaining perceived security, right? And by perceived, you know, things are only as secure as they are, but at least it gives us that feeling that, okay, I'm good for the next 30 years. I've started my 401k. I've got everything set up. And in the entrepreneurship thing, and this is something that I haven't reached that point personally yet, but know it's coming. And I think about it a lot. You hear people who's like, yeah, that like I loved that idea. We took it as far as we could take it. And then, you know, we moved on or we did something new or we bucked the trend of that security long-term mindset. And I'd say a lot of people aren't necessarily prepared for it, right? They're, that is not something that either they can make the decision around or that it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, Brandon told me this would be great and I loved it, but now I don't love it anymore. It's work and it's this. Like, do you have a path, a plan, a vision to help people with that? Have you thought about it? I'm curious to get your take. Yes. So obviously I reached that in my own journey. Uh, you know, here's a traditional path and I went through it and this didn't work out. And now what the hell do I do? So I think actually super quick before you answer, I think this is important. I don't, I don't normally ask this question, but how old are you? I'm 27. Okay. I think that's super important because you've gone through what some people go through in an entire life. Like they get to a point really late and then they're like, ah, I want to do something different now. And they're like, 
60. Yeah. <laughs> seven, like, yeah. I just wanted to have that context. So keep going. Yeah. And, and I think that's an important point. Yes, I've done that. But I also feel like in the, my generation of millennials and even in Gen Z, it's happening a lot faster. We, it, you know, if we just look at it from a career spec perspective, we're changing careers constantly. I went to school for architecture and now I do podcasting. I'm building in higher education. I've done marketing. I've done a million different things because none of them, one, are like this set career. that I, I don't think that exists much anymore. But getting back to your question, Keith, when they go through this educational experience, I don't expect them to follow this one thing forever. They're like, okay, yes, this is my purpose. This is my passion. I'm going to do this forever. Maybe that happens. And if that does, that's fantastic. But also other things come up in life, um, whether you are just changing phases of your life, maybe you have kids, you move, you are changing careers. The environment changes that, you know, job markets, uh, we have things like COVID happen or yeah, you just reach a new perspective of you. You're always changing. And that's where I believe education is something that's not done one and done, but continuous keeps on going. Um, I know for myself, I am continuously always reading. I'm taking different courses currently right now. I'm doing Coursera's like a Google UX design course, but also listening to podcasts, like constantly always learning myself. And I think that as people reach these different stages in life, they're going to be like, okay, let's reevaluate. Maybe this is the actual purpose that I have now. What skills looking back now at a hard level, what skills do I have that could help me to fulfill that purpose? And which ones do I need to all of a sudden change out or reskill things have updated. And so they could come back, basically lock back into this process and not have to take all the old stuff. You know, you're not going through another four year college degree because you've already done that once. So now maybe you only need to skill up with a couple different skills. And so you do two or three months of this and then go back out and try and fulfill your purpose. Looking at that mission, what's my mission? Are these skills going to help me to solve that and keep going through that process through your entire life? You know, I don't know that your solution has to account for that person who doesn't think that it's valid to move in the way that you move. Because generationally, like my parents and their parents, they, aside from other things, like they could probably have one job for all of or most of their life and actually be financially set. For Keith and I, probably, maybe, like there's, there's, who knows like for where we are in the millennial ish esque, not really even having a generation but then for millennials and, and xers they've gone through seeing their siblings or themselves or you may have well you didn't experience this yourself but you probably saw friends that couldn't get a job after going to college and i was like wait a second like th this was supposed to be the thing that solves it or they get there like you and it doesn't solve it. It's like, I hate this. I'm miserable. Why would I waste my life doing a thing that I hate or it doesn't align with my mission and my purpose? I think that's a better way to say the thing I hate. And so, you know, I think a lot of people, I've done it. I don't do it anymore, but I, I've done it. And I've seen people in my class look out and say, oh, like they're so they have no focus. They have no attention. I like, know they have supreme focus on themselves, on, on being intentional on 
uh, on a mission. And that may look different today and tomorrow because yet yeah, Google UX today and it's coding tomorrow and it's marketing and social influencing here, but it's a skill set that skill sets that prepare you for this world, which by the way, AI jumping up all over the place, McDonald's may, may not need people <laughs> much longer. Pizza Hut is already automating making pizza. So it's like, I got to find ways to be viable at the, at the drop of a hat. So I think it's, um, I think what you're, what you're like, you're, you're like formalizing the informal education and saying like, and, and even challenging, at least this is my perception, even challenging, like, what is education? Is it, you know, are we talking about applied knowledge? Are we talking about knowledge for knowledge's sake? Like, what is it that we're trying to get here and why? Yeah. This also brings up a, a question of like, when employers are looking at the degree, what is this signaling? Is it signaling that they actually know these skills and that they can apply them in my business or in my corporation? Or does it signal that they could sit for four years, listen to something and have enough t- discipline to get through that, which is also a good skill set. Don't get me wrong, but it feels like that that's the only one they're measuring. What we're trying to do here is look at like businesses, your life and things in society, something that they all have in common is they're going to have problems that consistently come up and you're going to need to figure out how to solve those. It's going to take skills. You actually being able to do something to be able to solve those problems. Where you learn those skills, I don't think is as important as you being able to apply those skills to solve the problem. Whether I learned them sitting in a classroom from a professor or I learned it on a job or I learned it from my mom, it really doesn't matter because I can apply those skills, I can solve the problem and we move forward as a society. How, just on that really, how ironic is it that Apple and Microsoft on their resumes require a college degree when the people that founded them (laughs) said that actually is not helpful for making this thing that has been transformative to the world. Uh, It's it's, how far have we come from our roots? It really speaks to the, the nature of living living in or living for right like we live in this thing that is given to us or we live for it and by living for it you're you're solving like that is the absolute basis of contribution to society right is coming up with a solution to a problem that serves a hundred people or a billion people right and isn't isn't that ultimately what we want when we say man people don't want to work it's like well what are they working for they're working to contribute to the economy cool but or are they working to help solve a problem and i mean i think this is fantastic and i'm very curious because i hear like today with COVID, and you mentioned it, in this shift in perspective that restaurant workers have for their jobs and, you know, how they go to work and where they go and really taking this opportunity to evaluate that, that their great solution here um, um, as you build it. What's the scale a measure in the vision look like for you? What scale would I like to reach with this education? Like how many people? No, how, how are you envisioning scaling it i mean uh, right now alpha is you right working on this right and that that certainly won't won't scale yes so it will be uh an online university so that takes the first barrier of scale out 
And then working on a platform that houses these resources that we pull from the web, you know, open education resources and bringing that at an affordable price because we don't have a campus because we aren't hiring a ton of faculty or, you know, tenured professors. What we're doing is having coaches and learning instructors, people that have studied through the science of learning, but aren't necessarily, you know, done a full PhD that brings costs down. And so what I'm hoping to do, uh, and I've seen this with a few other universities is offer a monthly tuition rather than a huge uh, upfront cost. So something closer to $120 a month, because again, we're not measuring uh, button seat hours. We're measuring, you know, when do you actually learn these skills? When can you apply them? When are you solving problems? That may take a month. That may take two years to learn these skills. We want to be able for you to vary in that. We also want you to be able to take a pause when you need to. Life happens. You know, you're going to have kids. You need to, you're working a full-time job, whatever. I don't want to hold you back from being able to complete your education because those things come up. So trying to make it more accessible, scalable that way. Then it will be focusing on trying to integrate this in other cities. You know, we're starting, we'll start within the U.S., but scaling it to other countries and trying to get in those communities by having uh, like learning hubs using existing buildings where people can meet actually uh, in community. In the beginning, this will be all online, but I do foresee as something in the future of still having a physical aspect. You know, when I went to college, there are still things from tradition from the traditional route that are very, very helpful. I grew as a person a lot from my in-person interactions at college. So that is still something that is a downside of online education now. But uh, with this integration, I think will help in the future. You can't do a keg stand online. <laughs> no, you can't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't. You can't live on your own and with roommates so, and do all those independent things that that you learned and to do pay bills and yeah. yeah. So Keith kind of started to bring up kind of this paradigm shift that's happened. Where you you brought it up earlier, and then Keith just brought it up again. Kind of paradigm shift that's happening. It's been happening for a long time. And COVID, I think, just if it, it either forced and or allowed. I, I think it depends on the person. To, I, I to, think it sped up what was already going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I would completely. Yeah, that's a better way to say it. And so now, especially these younger generations, we were just talking about. So your timing is, in fact, like the world needs back to what we were talking about. Like the world needs what you offer right now. How do you characterize what has been happening and what is happening now? I, in one of my companies, have been hiring people and like, I listen to all these other owners who are just like, I can't hire anybody. It's not possible. And I don't think that's true. I think I just have a different way of going about it. But like, how do you characterize this period? I call it a paradigm shift because I think it's fun to say, but what do you call it? And what do you... In what frame of reference are you asking how I characterize this? In terms of education, in terms of what's work? happening to education and how that's affecting employee employer relationships and like employers finding employees, employees finding employers, employee, employees even caring to be employees when they can 
go figure it out by working five jobs that they want when they want. Yeah. Well, first, I think, you know, your comment about being very much in the time of like, this is, is something that should happen now because of the problems that we're having. Uh, you know, I've been looking at education at least for the last two or three years. And so with any buddy that's building something, when they come to market and like finally put it out, they probably have been thinking about it for a while before the problem was ever aware to everybody else. But I think with employers now, uh, you know, you mentioning that they can't find the people that they need with these certain skill sets is we don't have a good direct way of people showcasing what skills that they have, being able to talk about that, regardless of, you know, whatever education that they had. And so right now, employers look at a degree and say, okay, they got a computer science degree, so I guess that they can do this. And it came from Stanford, so I guess that means they must be really good at it. It's pretty legit. Yeah. <laughs> but... I think if we have a better way to showcase what skills that you have and your ability to do those sorts of things, it will be easier for employers to quickly identify, okay, yes, this is a person that can do what I need done to solve the problems that I have in this business without even having to look at what, it, where did they learn these skills? I think, you know, things that we'll focus on is having a portfolio, having a what I call it, like a skill resume that breaks down what skills do I actually have? And then what's the evidence that you can say that you have those skills? And that's where the portfolios, the projects, those sorts of things come in. So they, they can start identifying, okay, yes, they've kind of solved this problem before uh, in a different project they did. Maybe they'll be able to solve it here in my business. So I think it's going to shift more that way. It's going to be a slow shift just because of how easy it is now to get in, you know, a hundred resumes when you put up a job listing and then go through and like, yep, they got a degree for this. They're probably good. We'll evaluate them once they get in for the interview or, you know, once they're actually working here. There's this interesting, and I will say interesting component to what you're saying is organizations will see that you have a computer science degree from Stanford to your point about what they're evaluating, they're really evaluating that you could get a computer science degree from Stanford because at the end of the day, your first six months to a year is going to be training, right? It's going to be real world training. It's going to be all of these things. And you're kind of in there with some expectations, but not a whole lot. And as an organization, and this is a shift of talent acquisition, and we've talked to a couple of people on this, with having this portfolio one question that's often asked is, well, give me an example of when you did this. Well, now we actually have examples. So that onboarding, that ramp could drastically reduce. And if I spend just a little more time hiring and selecting based on this type of evaluation criteria, I can find a person who is going to ramp in less time and it's going to cost me so much less money and actually be better for my business in the long term. Super in, insightful paradigm shift from the educational standpoint that you're taking. And I think it's fascinating and I, I want to promote it and support it as much as we can. Thinking about the avenues that you have for potential sources of revenue or income, like the client themselves, but then the employer, like that's a highly that I think of a lot of places that'll pay for that. Um, yeah. Ability and and it's something that I, I definitely want to incorporate is this 
education to job pipeline that, you know, from the student's perspective, we can start guaranteeing you, you know, a job at the end of this where a regular degree can't because we are training the skills that the employer needs. On the employer side, we are verifying that these students actually have these skills because we've helped, you know, work with you along the way. What skills do you need? Okay, what kind of projects and problems show up in those businesses? Now I'm going to have the students actually try and solve problems like that as they learn. And you're going to have direct evidence that they could do that. Where can people find you and find opportunities to learn more about this? Yes. Social media, the best place is LinkedIn, Brandon Stover. And then to find anything else about me, uh, brandonstover.com. Um, you'll be able to find the podcast and the university once uh, it has its full launch uh, up and ready. Those will be the best places. One quick question, if you don't mind. One quick question. Do you have a an estimated time frame of when you'll be in beta or full launch? Yes. I am doing currently um, a landing page test, small MVP to see what the ask for this is for, from the market. And taking that, looking for co-founders, you know, an academic officer and somebody that's possibly built startups before um, to help complement the skill sets that I do not have. And then hoping that with those launching towards the end of this year, a beta program, uh, the full vision of it. And MVP being minimum viable product, right? Yes, correct. Not most valuable player. For those. No. <laughs> what is that? Hopefully it is the most valuable player. Also <laughs> true. Uh, man, this has been, you like your thoughtfulness is, I, I've, I've noticed it since the very first conversation, but you're very thoughtful. And um, this is really exciting. Like I said it a minute ago, it's like very exciting. And um, you're like, you're like super calm and like chill about it. But like, it's a, <laughs> It's a big deal. It's super it's, cool. It's really exciting as I build my 529 for my girls and, and realize I might end up sending them to your university and it will save me a lot of money. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then they well, can choose to start their first business. That's <laughs> right. buy their first home. Man, just thank you for coming on. Thank you for spending some time with us, sharing um, some, some heavy stuff and some deep stuff. And the last question is uh, always... What does compassion mean to you? I think compassion means it's in one of the Eastern philosophies. They talk about compassion being the ability to suffer with another person and not in the terms of coming down to their level and suffering the same way that they are. Let's take, for example, you know, a man comes to you and he lost his leg. We're not asking you to suffer with him by cutting off your own leg. What we're asking you to do is to understand where he's coming from with that experience of having no leg and to, to be able to sit in that space, have an understanding of the emotions, have an understanding of the, the perspective, and then help him and yourself working together to better his life, to better your own life, to get out of that suffering. I think that's where compassion is, is to have that understanding and then move forward to relieve that suffering.